COVID-19 has disrupted our world in numerous ways, but perhaps no industry has been disrupted quite so significantly as healthcare. During the last two years, medical facilities have endured significant change. Enter artificial intelligence. From analysis of constantly changing epidemiological data to providing mental health support, AI is changing the face of healthcare. The need for AI in healthcare is not in doubt, but how much power should we give to medical robots? On this episode of WMD, I'll be talking with cybersecurity major Matt Desoy to explore the application of AI and robotics in healthcare. Matt, welcome to WMD. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Tesoy. I am a sophomore cybersecurity management major here. Not for much longer. You're going to be a junior here pretty soon. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, we just came for from our emerging technology trends class. We did. So we're going to do this episode on AI. Why yeah. are you interested in AI? What What was it about that particular technology that resonated with you? Just the fact that um, AI kind of can take human intelligence and act on its own. Okay, so I, I can't remember specifically about your white paper, but did you worry about AI taking over the world and enslaving humans? No. More than half of your classmates, yeah. but that, that was their big ethical concern was being enslaved by robots. I mean, I would be, personally, I'd be scared if that happened, but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if it gets that bad, we've got bigger problems than, yeah. than what, what it's going to be like I, to be enslaved I by the you, AI. I think you mentioned, you know, an AI running the country. And I was just like, whoa. There are definitely some crazy ideas out there, but yeah. we're, we're not going to go quite that big. We're yeah. going to talk simple. about the healthcare industry in the second segment. But why, why are we going to talk about AI related to healthcare? What is it about healthcare that draws you in? Uh, well, I know people in the healthcare industry, like my mom, uh -huh. and, you know, she's seeing how much technology is changing the healthcare industry. Yeah, changing her experience as a, as a worker, changing yeah. her experience with patients and the whole nine yards. Okay, well, cool. But before we get into all the healthcare applications of it, let's give our listeners uh, a general understanding of what we're gonna be talking about. So let's start out by talking about the difference between artificial intelligence and augmented intelligence, because we are more likely to see augmented intelligence than we are to see ourselves being enslaved plugged into the matrix, yeah, that sort of thing. So what is augmented intelligence? What do we mean when we say augmented intelligence? So augmented intelligence is when a computer is able to enhance human intelligence. And an example of that um, is when a machine is able to read an x-ray to mm -hmm. detect cancer tumors. Cancer or, or, or other things you know, that we can't see with our human eyes. In COVID-19. Yeah, there you go, okay. Then, so augmented intelligence can give us it can do what machines do well, which is look at lots of data. And give and, us a better understanding. Yeah, exactly. And so then that, what does that allow the doctor to do? It frees up the doctor's cognitive load to do what kind of activities? Or your mom, for Treatment. It helps them uh, narrow down what treatment a patient might need. Yeah. And, and machines certainly aren't going to be doing what your mom does in hospice care, right? Yeah. No. We need human beings like your mom yeah. to be able to That's do why that she, incredibly special job. She hasn't really dealt with a whole lot of AI because mm -hmm. she's kind of implementing the information in the computer herself. Right. But I'm sure in the hospital, they're starting to see right. more AI. Yeah. And so, so 
one of the important things that we talk about is that technology may eliminate some jobs, but it creates new jobs. And some of the jobs that it is not going to eliminate are ones that are are empathy based. Right. right. And that's those are really important. Um, so so we've talked about augmented intelligence. Talk to me a little bit about how. What do we mean when we say artificial intelligence? Because certainly the first place we all go is, you know, we're all going to be dominated by machines and plugged into the matrix. Yeah. So if uh, it's not that, what is it? Um, yeah, I don't take I don't take it like that always. Okay. But um, I know a lot of people in our class might. <laughs> like we they said. definitely have fun worrying about that. Yeah. So when I think of artificial intelligence, I think of computers and devices mimicking our behaviors. Okay. And um, an example of that in the healthcare industry is robots going around hospitals distributing medicine. Right, so they can be programmed to drive from point A to point B. They know how far that is, kind of like the iRobot vacuum that runs around people's houses. Yeah. And it's got a program in it that says, when I get to room 2B, I am going to dispense this type of medication to the patient in bed two. Yeah. And so, that's artificial intelligence, and it's and it's fairly rudimentary, right? It's not like it's got a whole lot of thinking going on. It's pre-programmed and pre-assigned. Yeah, exactly. But that's still a version of artificial intelligence. So that's a far cry from being plugged in and dominated by machines. So what what are some of the steps on the way there? We talk about machine learning. We yeah. talk about deep learning. Tell us what those two things are and and how they work. So machine learning is when computer a computer is able to consume data and predict outcomes. Um, an example of that is the massive number of crunching of COVID-19 data to try and find patterns in right. uh, patients. And so machine learning is doing it on, on a, a large data set, but, but you start with sort of a pre-programmed algorithm. Mm-hmm. And then what is deep learning? Deep learning uh, makes use of neural networks to consume, consume huge data sets that us humans cannot really. Right, so we're talking about massive, massive data sets. And a lot of the number crunching that was going on for COVID-19 was being done through neural networks. Yeah. And why would we do that? Why would we want to analyze the COVID-19 data? Because there's a benefit to it, right? We wouldn't have been doing it if there wasn't some sort of benefit. Well, I think deep learning is um, being used for diagnostics. Mm-hmm. And, but- and when we were trying to wrap our heads around what's going on with COVID-19, how fast was the data coming in? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Where we, was it coming in from? Yeah, we can't comprehend it, but. Right, if we were trying to sit there and do mathematics with yeah. that data as human, as individuals and, and humans and with our puny human brains, yeah. we wouldn't be nearly as far along in understanding the disease, would we? Information overload. <laughs> right, we, we'd still be back looking at, at the results from, uh, from March of 2020, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's huge, huge value in something like deep learning and neural networks and the ability to to manage this big number crunching. Um, so think about the next step. We, we, we crunch all this data. We're trying to understand what the disease is doing. Do you think AI probably had a role in coming up with vaccines? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, sure. Because the M- the whole mRNA is is looking at the 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 DNA level of the disease, right? Yeah. And again, going back to our puny human brains, we probably don't have the capacity to to analyze that stuff to the degree that deep learning networks could. Yeah, I think with the COVID-19 vaccine, I feel like we kind of got it out pretty quick. So I think AI was definitely played a big role in that. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. So we're starting to delve into the healthcare industry, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the other interesting applications for AI and healthcare that were driven by the pandemic, but weren't actually directly looking at the disease. Okay. Okay. So I'm here talking with my student, Matt Desoy, at York College of Pennsylvania, and we've been talking about artificial intelligence and the healthcare industry. Uh, We've just given you a small taste of how AI is used in a general sense, but now we're going to look at some of the very specific disruptions to us socially that have led to more adoption, greater adoption of AI in healthcare. So Matt, you are particularly interested, I think, in how robots are being used related to mental health yeah why why is that interesting to you um when you think about going to get help for mental health what do you think i think of like a human therapist i don't really think of an ai therapist and you know i think that's pretty cool um the fact that ai is being used for therapy now and you don't might not need human therapists as much anymore so Right now, part of the reason that these these machine mental health therapists have have shown up is because there's a shortage of humans, mm-hmm. right? What what can where can we go? What what what's something that has evolved because of COVID nineteen? Right, we know there's a huge healthcare crisis, mental healthcare crisis yeah. that has evolved from all of the isolation Being and the unemployment and, and like a specific wo- wobot. Wobot, yeah. right? So what is for for those of us who've never heard of wobot? What is wobot? Wobot is an AI being used for mental health care, um, and it was being used during COVID nineteen. It was it was invented, I think, during COVID nineteen, yeah. and immediately implemented because there were a lot of people that were affected mentally from being cooped up and not interacting with other humans during the pandemic. Yeah. So the way Wobot works is is you log into the application and you can. It, it asks you questions, kind of the way a therapist asks you questions. And then it, I, I don't know if it feeds you answers. I haven't personally tried it out. Um, but what do you think? Would you be comfortable talking to an application? Um, I I would be comfortable with it. Okay. I don't think I'd be my first. First choice? Yeah, but I think I'd be comfortable with it. Well, And in an emergency, it might be a really good resource. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you have any concerns about talking to an application about things? Yes. Okay. Why so, would you be concerned? I'd be a little concerned because um, these applications don't know how to connect with humans on an emotional aspect. Okay. We're kind of more creative in that aspect. Well, and the empathy. So the empathy, empathy. piece, right? So yeah. the empathy piece would be. Um, I feel like they would hard lack to that. Re- replicate. Yeah. Right. And so how how do you replicate empathy is certainly a big question for something like that. Um, my concern about it is is the fact that in order for the deep learning to work, it's got to record what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And if it's recording what we're saying and the data is uh, that means the data is going to be owned by the company. Because the, the company needs all that data in order to refine the algorithms that are making the robot work. Mm-hmm. Um but because Wobot is a private service as opposed to a licensed healthcare provider, because there's a fundamental difference, there's a different set of rules for it. 
And so from an ethical perspective, what do you think about that? Should HIPAA begin to apply to things that are not part of the healthcare system? Yeah, I think they should. With these um, robot, for example, I feel like you need better security, mm-hmm. cybersecurity. Right. Yeah. So, so you make a good point. One of the thi- one of the things we know about um, securing data is that a breach is value. The valuation of a breach is based on the damage it does to the company, not the damage it does to the clientele of the company. Mm-hmm. That's that's in NIST's guidelines, uh, National Institute of Standards for for our listeners. Um, and so that that's one of the reasons that companies may or may not put enough security around something. They make secured enough for their business model, but not secured enough for our safety and privacy. Yeah, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, so so you make a great point. They definitely need to be thinking about about cybersecurity. Um, but one of the things we know is that with all of these digital devices that can collect and and not even just collect it, but actually extract our behavioral data, um, there's probably more healthcare data in something like an Apple Watch than than in a lot of hospital people who don't go to hospitals. Yeah. And so there's a need for public policy to catch up with where the healthcare industry versus the behavioral data industry mm-hmm. <laughs> are operating. So that's one use. We talked about Wobots. Um, another thing, COVID, right? We, what was one of the things we had to do every time we came on campus last year? Oh, the symptom checkers. Symptom checkers. Uh, Qu- we had Quincy. So an example of that is Quincy, the healthcare chatbot. Right, and so uh, you might encounter Quincy on yeah. uh, on your your WellSpan website. I don't know if what I, I don't know whether Quincy is on WellSpan, but um, on somebody on some healthcare provider's website, you may encounter Quincy, the healthcare chatbot. And what kind of things is Quincy going to be able to to do to to help? And this again gets into an augmented intelligence, right? Yeah, because if Quincy wasn't doing this, who would be doing this? Humans. Humans, right? Yeah. We would have somebody sitting at the desk saying, did you have a sniffly nose? Yeah. You know, what, what's your temperature? Yeah. What's, right? And so Quincy is, is augmented intelligence. It will allow us to begin to offload some of those things. And so, again, freeing up healthcare providers to do other more important tasks. And one of the things we know right now is there's a uh, labor shortage in healthcare. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so so things like Quincy begin to take over some of those jobs and so we can move humans over to the more important ones that we can't sacrifice humans from. No, I think that's okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's valuable. It's yeah. augmenting the augmenting the doctor's ability, augmenting the nurse's ability and and all our other providers. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right, and then the last one, so getting into what a lot of people when they think of artificial intelligence, they go humanoid robot right away. Yeah. And That's so, what I think of. All right. So tell me about the humanoid robot that application that we learned about and the World War II veteran oh, yeah. in particular. Um, so the, a World War II veteran was using a robot called iPal. It, we right. think it was either iPal or Buddy. We're yeah. not positive. But, but from the pictures we've seen, it appears that it was either iPal or Buddy. And what was his name? The the World War Two veteran. I, I don't remember the the World War Two veteran's name. Okay. But um, but he was in a senior care facility. So we've seen the use of these humanoid robots, and they they actually have a long laundry list of them. Yeah. Leq, Robear, iPal, Buddy, Carobot. Um, they've been doing experiments in senior care facilities with robots. Now, why would they go to a senior care facility 
um, they would go to a senior care facility because pe uh, people in that facility might not have that human connection anymore. People might not always come to see them. Yeah, one so. of the things that my mom talks about is um, is loss of friends. Uh, 10 years ago, she had more people to be social with than she has now. Now she still has me and her granddaughter and mm -hmm. she goes to art class and stuff. But in senior care facilities, where people don't have the mobility to get out and about, the same phenomenon's going on. And mm -hmm. so people get lonely. Yeah, right. My grandma has dementia and she's in a facility. That's a great example. Because yeah. I've, I've been, I've read the, um, that these these robots some of some people with dementia seem to really like them they they give them names and they interact with them like they're a small child right. and and i i've heard that in some articles i've read they've even said that that patients will fight over who gets to spend time with the robot because there's not enough robots to go around yeah. and so it's like fighting over grandchildren yeah so what happened with this World War II vet? What, do you, what did we So the World about? War II veteran, he was able to open up about his experiences more. And he was able to say stuff that he had never told even his family members before. Yeah, and the robot was able to record all that. Yeah. And so there's value from it from the historical record perspective. There's value from um, this man getting to talk about some of the, the really painful memories he had from World War II that he had been afraid to talk about for so long. And so... So that interaction was really valuable. Yeah. Um, but again, going back to what do you what do you think? Is it is it healthy for for humans to be interacting with robots for their for their social needs, their their emotional and social needs? What do you think? I think it is because I feel like um, some humans are able to open up to robots more. Mm -hmm. um, they're able to. Because there's that lack of judgment and bias. Okay. That robot show. Yeah. So open, you know, talking to a robot every once in a while might not be bad. And anything that can help people feel less lonely is probably got value. Yeah. Right. And not feel forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it, these are these are weird questions. Yeah. On the one hand, is it is it great that these people are isolated in these facilities, that there might be people who are isolated in the facilities and their only interaction is with a robot? That's that's sad. But, at, you know, at on least the other they hand, have. if the robot can can give them some sort of psychological, emotional, social support, um, there's there's value there. Yeah. And, and so we as a society have to think about um think about that though because there's a balance right there's a balance between because what happens when we start using devices to to do things for us we get lazy we get lazy we and so do it yeah and so maybe it's my concern is more around letting robots take over for humans and then humans don't remember that maybe it was better for us to be doing some of these things that that we've offloaded to machines mm -hmm. um you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. We have that conversation a lot in class, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So what are any last things you want to talk about? Did we cover everything you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I think so. But going back to the mental health robots, I don't know if we covered any disadvantages, but they're going to lack creativity in the responses. Mm -hmm. You know, we have more creativity than robots do. They're programmed to respond to certain things. They have like one, they're programmed to respond in one mm -hmm. sentence. Right. We have more creativity. 
so tell me about your mother. Right? <laughs> <laughs> be afraid, I, I'd be afraid of a robot that just got hung up on. So yeah. tell me about your mother. <laughs> and how does that make you feel? <laughs> because that is a little bit of what's going to go on in it. Yeah. Um, so there are advantages and disadvantages to it, but that's with every technology we've talked about this right. semester. Yep, absolutely. Because there, if there weren't advantages to it, we wouldn't be investigating things. And right. so the, the trick is how do you implement them? And, and just thinking about what you're going to do when you go to implement things. Mm -hmm. um, because the disruption and the unintended consequences could be, could be big. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if we don't at least have the conversations ahead of time. Yeah, um, something to think about is... Um, how like especially in a hospital how it's going to affect workers mm -hmm. and like we said jobs now yeah might be might be eliminated but right. but we were and, also imagining that there's probably some jobs that are going to show up in hospitals that don't exist right now right, right? what was what were some of the ones that we were talking about I feel like somebody mentioned the idea that we'd have someone whose job was managing the robot yeah. workforce in the hospital. Or I can see during like a surgery, someone there, you know, a doctor might not be there. A doctor could be in another country performing a surgery, but I still feel like you need someone there in the operating room. Yes, absolutely. To, to manage the AI. Yep. Because well, I know and to, I wouldn't, and to, and to be there for the patients. So yeah, that they, I I don't know how I would feel about going into an operating room with a bunch of robots and Just there's an no AI. human being in there. Yeah, with me. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't trust it. It wouldn't matter that there was a pay, a person on the other end of right. the robots. I would want someone there that if I started to bleed, they could put pressure. on Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of crazy to imagine, but um. But yeah, it also will bring help, advanced healthcare to rural places that that where we're starting to see hospitals closing down for lack of lack of resources because it's in an area where there's economic depression. Right. Um, I was just reading about that this morning. Tennessee has some of the biggest problems with loss of of healthcare facilities because of economic economic um, challenges going on in the state. So that was wow. interesting. Um, well, I think we are at the end of our podcast. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that I always like to do, close out on here, we're talking about disruption and we're talking about being out there in the land of VUCA where things are uncertain, they're complex, they're changing very rapidly, they're volatile, and it, things get ambiguous. Yeah. Nothing could be more ambiguous than an operating room with no people in it, right? <laughs> And a patient bleeding and the robot going, danger or help. <laughs> danger, Matisoy, danger. Yeah. So the next time you find yourself in the VUCA mountains and people accuse you of rocking the boat when you suggest some of these crazy things, get out, lace up your boots, and use your paddle as a walking stick. We'll see you next time on WMD. WMD, Weapons of Mass Disruption, is produced by me, Chris Perez, and all rights reserved to Dr. Tamara Schwartz. You may access this podcast free of charge on any of your preferred platforms or by visiting us at lomrai.com. That is L-L-A-M-R-A-I.com.